Hello there everybody, it's Jamie here from the Backboard Podcast. It's been a while, I won't explain too much about that because I want to dig deep into what today's episode is going to be about and I think it's going to be a really exciting chat and uh, getting to know somebody who I think is quite interesting really. So we're here for episode 71 today and I'm here with, joined by Dr Bing Jones. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, Hello there Jamie, nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. Obviously now we're only doing this virtually, we're not in the studio um today too much travel i would say but i've kind of I've, I've asked you to come on the podcast i sent an email um a few weeks ago to insulate britain and i saw someone posted on their story that they'd messaged them asking them a bit about what they're doing and i thought maybe i should email insulate britain and get them on a podcast it sounds like a good idea um somebody from there and i was forwarded your email we had a brief chat and obviously we've had a few setbacks due to some technical difficulties uh, my side which is probably the main reason I've not been podcasting for the last month or so but um but for for my guests that might not know you can you just tell us a bit about who you are what you represent okay so I'm a spokesperson for Insulate Britain and Insulate Britain is a a different setup okay we um are basically out to um highlight problems with the climate crisis but in a different sort of way so the problem with the climate is that people really don't know how bad it is and they don't know how badly we're handling it how much we're failing um but insulate britain's got a different idea we've got this idea that if we home in on a particular thing which is insulating and retrofitting housing then people can understand that Everybody understands that if you're cold, you can insulate yourself by putting on an extra layer or a jumper or something. Britain is completely different. It, it, we really stand out in the world because our housing stock, 29 million houses, are really poorly insulated. Uh, and that's for a load of reasons. But we've got this idea that if we could only hold the government to the, 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 this particular task, of insulating houses and retrofitting houses, then we'd be doing something real. We'd be knocking 15% off the carbon emissions of the UK. We'd be making hundreds of thousands of really good, leveling up proper lasting jobs. Uh, And we'd be lifting seven, possibly eight million people out of fuel poverty. So these are people who live in families where they can't, can't afford to both eat and heat. And there are, up to well, around 75 people die every day in the winter just from the cold. There are 4 million kids who live in houses um, affected by uh, fuel poverty in the United Kingdom, the sixth richest nation in the world. Okay, so our idea is that <clears throat> we want to hold the government to, uh, to actually doing something. Our government talks but doesn't do. And we've got this different way of doing it we're basically blocking roads right because every, all of us we've all i've been writing publishing lecturing for 30 years right and we've got almost nowhere we just had the most disastrous cop 26 the 26th disaster and uh, we've got almost nowhere so we're we're in a different gear 
right? We're talking about civil resistance. We're talking about the kind of things that the suffragettes did and that Martin Luther King did. We're blocking the roads and saying, stop. Just so, stop, so, right? Think about it and do something. So, so for my listeners, because the thing that, and, and you know, obviously the climate crisis is probably the, the greatest threat to our existence and not just our existence, but the whole existence of the ecosystem as well which of course, without it, we wouldn't be alive. So my question to you would be though, is what would this actually cost and how long would it take to actually insulate all these houses? Because for my listeners, they might be saying, well, it's okay to say we want to insulate, but how much will this cost? Will this mean higher tax? What will this mean for the British people? That's a really good question, Jamie. And it is going to be costly. There's no two ways about it. But there's no way of tackling the climate crisis without spending money. You've got to completely change the direction of society and you've got to spend a lot of money. So to insulate a house, just to put in that kind of fluffy stuff that you can put in the attic, that's relatively cheap. That's maybe a thousand pounds for a house. Obviously, it depends on how big the house is. Um, (laughs) But to really insulate a house properly, uh, which includes cavity wall insulation and probably triple glazing but but really good insulation that's going to cost more maybe ten thousand pounds but again depending on the size of the house but the real crime is that we're not building houses at the really top of the of the level so there's a thing called an epc rating and if you sold a house you've probably not got around to owning a house yet but when you do eventually, you, you'll have to have a certificate, uh, a, an energy certificate called an EPC, and, and that goes from A down to G. And houses should be built, you know, to the top level. And the government in 2016, with in consultation with Persimmon, which is one of the biggest housing companies, abolished their laid out promise to make sure that all houses are built to the highest specification. Jamie, do you know it's easy? Do you know how little heating housing really needs? Do you know that you can actually get away without any heating bills at all? Did you know that? I, I actually didn't know that. No. Okay, so if you insulate a house, if you build a house really well, so it's got lots of insulation, really careful ventilation, and ideally some solar panels or something like that, then really you hardly need any heating at all, and. Um, The government's talking about things like heat pumps, which very few people understand, but that they they work on a very slow basis and they're only really any good if the house is really well insulated. So at the moment we're building maybe a quarter of a million houses a year and the government isn't even um, building them properly. So for every house that's built this year, last year, all these houses have to be retrofitted. And this is expensive, difficult, uh, and it's also disruptive to people, but it's got to be done because the, the, at the moment we're pouring all this heat out of our houses, leaky houses, drafts, poor insulation, uh, and all of those carbon emissions are just being wasted. So it's really sad. So the answer to your question is it's going to be expensive, possibly, I don't know, it, it depends a bit on the specification, but it's in, in the order of, uh, of a half a trillion pounds so that's a lot of money 500 billion pounds but it would be spread out over a a, quite a long time because we don't have the workforce to do it and it would be uh, very it's cost effective it's in fact 
absolutely, there's no doubt about this at all. It is the most cost-effective way of reducing carbon emissions within the UK. So, so 500 billion pounds, obviously it's a, a huge amount of money considering that even the, this government is struggling to fund uh, new bills, which I would say I would be mainly against the health and social care bill that was put out just a day ago that's making care more expensive for people. You know, my, my great grandma was in a care home and it was already extremely expensive to do that. And they're making it more expensive, you know, and they're having to put taxes up to pay for this. I don't understand that. But to see what taxes will go up, considering there's going to be 500 billion pounds, um, is it's quite a substantial amount of money. And I think for people, it's they want climate change to be they want the government to act on it. But the issue is they don't want to have higher taxes because it might not actually be for the better of them to have higher taxes because of the fact that tax is already higher enough um, for many poorer families. Well, Jamie, the problem is people have been sold a lie. You know, the, the, our prime minister has been sacked twice for lying. He's, he, his whole um, modus operandi, the way he goes about things, is to, to try to get away with things which he can't get away with. So he talks about have cake and eat it. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it. Clim the climate crisis is a disaster. It's, it's, a, it's a disastrous calamity. It's absolutely so bad that, that, that you can hardly imagine how bad it is. I'm going to be dead soon, but it's going to be bad for you, Jamie. And it really is your, you know, you, the, the one, the biggest sadness is that people, um, I think your generation's better than most, but, but most people have not taken the trouble to find out enough about how bad things are going to be. So when you talk about the expense, uh, it's got to be, got to be paid for. Um, the American government in the Second World War, after Pearl Harbor, they, they didn't want to join the Second World War for ages, then the Japanese bombed the whole um, American fleet at Pearl Harbor and they suddenly turned around and they completely changed their economy. They made it illegal to sell cars so that the car manufacturers would make guns and aeroplanes. They jackhammered up all the, the, the tools that made cars and other domestic type things and started um, putting in machines to make uh, aeroplanes. They borrowed 10 times as much money as they'd ever borrowed before. I'm sorry, they, they increased their borrowing by 10 times. They, they government spending by 10 times, all right? So uh, they spent more in three years between 1942 and 1945 than the American state had ever spent before, all right? So these things can be done, and it, 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 this has got to be done. Uh, and and uh, the, the two big problems are that, that your generation is probably better, but even your generation, people don't know how bad the climate crisis is going to be, and they don't know how urgent it is that we should act. Uh, we've got to get on with this really quickly, really radically. Our own department of the, um, I was just looking at this a minute ago, our own um, environment agency has put out a report on the 13th of October of this year saying we have to adapt or die. That if we get up to two degrees, we're going to have floods in the winter, droughts in the summer, London sea level is going to go up for, for two feet, there's going to be no clean water, uh, the laws are not fit at the moment for them to handle climate change. 
and they go on and on about things like the emergency services not being able to cope about the and about the costs of inaction so you're right to say look you guys sitting in the road you're asking for us to spend vast vast amounts of money i tell you the amount of money that you'll have to spend if you don't act now goes up all the time it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And, and actually, I kind of want to come on to the, the road part of it. I know that you've spoken publicly before. This is definitely not your first public appearance. I believe you did some stuff on LBC before and, and, and media places like that. Um, but kind of I've had a few questions in from people that I know. And I've asked a few of my friends if they would like to ask some questions. And obviously, I've filtered out the best ones that I think will be best for the content and best to ask you. Um, and kind of obviously, you know, there, there was somebody that was actually injured um, and has now got life um, changing injuries because of being stuck in traffic that was caused by protesters from Insulate Britain. I believe it was. I'm going to stop you there, Jamie. I, I don't think there's any evidence for that. So there's a lot of criticism. We've had a lot of criticism in the right wing media and um, they have um, claimed that there was a, there was just one phone call from somebody who said that his mother was stuck in a, a in a in a car and, and that's been completely unverified nobody has been able to find that and we have a policy to allow um blue light vehicles through and as far as we're aware there are no recorded cases of any really serious problems there are traffic jams every single day the m25 where we've been mostly acting on has at least two major traffic jams every day all right so and the people there are ambulances sitting outside hospitals every single day people are dying in ambulances i was reading a report only recently just outside the hospital there are serious problems so sorry to cut you off but can you can can you definitely confirm then that that didn't happen to that to that woman no, I, I, I can't confirm you it's very difficult to prove a negative but it is, as far as we are aware, unsubstantiated. London Ambulance Service has uh, not been able to come up with any uh, figures to say that there have been uh, ambulances delayed. I'm a doctor, I've worked in hospitals. Ambulances are really clever at getting past um, traffic jams. There are traffic jams through roadworks, accidents, constantly, every single day, all right? So, you know, we, we have been disruptive, but we are we're moving into a different uh, a different time now, and I think you guys, your people of your age, are going to have to start thinking differently. We've got a government which is failing really badly, so badly that there's in a way nobody coming to look after us, uh, and so we are moving into a different um, uh, a different activity, which is called civil resistance. Right? I've mentioned it already. Uh, it's time. With the the only really honest and honourable place to be when the whole system is not looking after ordinary people is to be disruptive. And we've got nine people who've recently gone to prison uh, and there are another 23 that are going to go to prison and face heavy fines fairly soon. And then only on Saturday, we had a hundred more people sitting down in the road in London, blocking two bridges, uh, all of them, um, uh, breaking an injunction, which is basically means that uh, if they do it again, anyway, these those people, they will be in contempt of court and they will have to go to prison and face big fines. There are lots of ordinary people really, really worried. 
Uh, and they're only worried because they've read the reports. I don't know if you read work reports from uh, on the climate change from the um, IPCC or from Chatham House. There's a very, very nice report from Chatham House, which is the Royal Institute for uh, Foreign Affairs. It's the most reputable organization, basically saying that we're not going to meet 1.5 and we've only got uh, we've got a 95% chance of not meeting two degrees temperature rise. Two degree temperature rise is dire. It means that millions of people are going to be hungry. There are already, oh, sorry, billions of people are going to be hungry. There are already people who cannot grow their food because uh, it's too hot. In Afghanistan, there are millions of children who are dying right now. In the Yemen, in Mozambique, southern Mozambique, there's the first absolutely definite climate changed famine all right it's caused by nothing else there's no conflict there it's just the weather all right it's happening all over africa all over the middle east and much of southeast asia it, there are fires in in america it's really bad already we think because we're rich and because you're living in a nice comfortable house you probably think you're you're okay but it's not true you're not going to be okay unless we act really radically really fast and the government shows no sign of doing that so something else has to be done people need to stand up and object so of course i mean Sorry. absolutely you know obviously no 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 I'm, you're absolutely right because i think you know we do have to do something about climate change obviously before it's too late and i'll kind of ask you because we're into about the last 10 minutes a little bit about what you think the timeline is a little bit later on but the last kind of question from somebody that they had sent in was how do your protesters actually get to the place that they want to go to? Do they use fuel cars? That's a very good question. Uh, I don't think, I don't think, uh, yeah, I've spent, we went on one occasion, we went in a taxi um, a little bit of the way, uh, but almost always uh, by public transport. I think every single person, you know, this, it's so sad that the media has chosen to, to portray Insulate Britain as being a load of you know, mad people or I don't know, I don't know quite what they think. Mm. I, I promise you, look, I'm a doctor, there are a load of vicars, there are actually more doctors, I think, than almost any other group. There are builders, there are housewives, there are retired people, there are students. There These are ordinary people uh, who are just, who have got themselves informed and once you are informed about climate change, it really changes your life. So these are not people who are out to, you know, hurt or to drive a big cart and then sit in the road. It's not like that. These are ordinary people who are just in incredibly frightened. They're so frightened that they're willing to go to prison. Just think about that, Jamie. Just think about it. There, there, there are people I know. Um, there's a young chap who's in his late 20s, um, called Ben, who's, who's actually said he's so worried that he's going to go on and on and on doing this. And the judge gave him twice the, the, the sentence that she gave to other people. Um, where This is a really serious group of people who are incredibly anxious and very, very well informed, I promise you. Mm. So that nobody, nobody's driving their car to, to, to block any roads, I well, promise. I mean but obviously, you know, for, for people that don't know that, maybe because obviously we're most people are informed by, you know, Facebook. And obviously there is a lot of misinformation going around. However, I can't say it's misinformation until I know for certain, you know, you can only go, well, possibly, 
you know, and obviously you've labelled one time, maybe there's been others, I don't know. Obviously, I don't think you're a crazy group of people. You know, I think obviously I understand that you're what your motive um, for doing this is. And I th- I'm sure that everybody does. It's just whether they agree that the way that you're doing it is the right way, because obviously this argument has existed throughout time. Was it the suffragists or the suffragettes, uh, suffragettes that made the difference and got women to the, you know, the ability to vote? Who was it? You know, so do you believe that this really is the way to, to make the government change their policies on climate change? Jamie, I ask you, what would you do? It's a very good question. And, and this is where I think most of the people in this country stand. They stand in a point where there is other people doing, for example, what you're doing and there's maybe the diplomatic side of it. But as far as I would say, we saw COP26, we saw diplomatic sides to it. I personally yeah. don't think that went as well as I was hoping for, obviously, on the coal side of it, especially. But then it was, how it was do we a expect disaster. Jamie, it didn't mm. go just not very well. It was a disaster. And it's an institutionalised disaster. Our own government has a climate change committee which holds them to account. And our government is, the climate change committee has told the government that they are failing on eight to, to meet 80% of their own targets. This government is all talk and no action. The world is failing. Um, the, the after COP, even if everybody did everything that they, was, they, they say they were going to do, we would not be anywhere near the kind of reductions that we need. Uh, the um, Sir David King, who has been, is the retired um, senior scientific advisor to the government, has said loads of things. He said, we've got three to four years in which to um, change uh, radically if we're to have, if, uh, if, society is to survive. He's recently said that we are cooked if we follow net zero by 2050. So in other words, the whole system is, um, is wrong. And it's wrong, basically, Jamie, because of money. Then uh, it's, it's the fossil fuel industry and the, uh, the entire, entire system, government and media, uh, is fueled by fossil fuels. Fossil fuels make everything cheap. They make everything profitable. Uh, and they are, are heavily subsidised by governments. So your parents' taxes are going to subsidise the fossil fuel industry, which is causing this problem. They sent 500 delegates to COP to basically stop anything changing. And the countries that are, have a vested interest in coal and oil, particularly Saudi Arabia, Australia, and, and the other coal-producing countries, like China, uh, really puts spanners in the works. COP is not going to answer our problem. It's not coming to save us. We need something else. But do you do you believe that obviously, if we are going to beat climate change, just as if we're going to beat COVID, we need to mass vaccinate people in order to have the herd immunity with vaccinations? It has to be a one-world effort. But how can it be a one-world effort if countries aren't going to? to communicate with each other and, and also commit to these things. Because there's, there's villages, I'll see in a, a documentary on the BBC about villages in India that rely solely on coal for their electricity or is, is, is their cheapest alternative. How can we expect the impoverished people in India to move to greener technology? Because it's going to cost them such vast amounts of money. That's a very good question. <clears throat> Basically, we need to pay them. <laughs> 
to do it, don't we? We are rich. Uh, the top 1% of the world produces twice as much emissions as the, as the poorest uh, 50%. Sorry, sorry. The richest 1% produces double the, the emissions of the, the, um, the poorest 50%. And uh, rich countries have a duty. We have, we've been polluting for a really long time. And we have, uh, you know, we, we're the, the, uh, the origin of the problems. We've got a duty to pay. Well, actually, it's the only practical answer. The, the, we need to pay for poorer countries to, um, to, to move, from, to jump right over coal, not bother with coal, go straight into renewables. And a lot of these countries are hot. They've got lots of sunshine. They just need the money to invest in the, in the wind and the solar. Uh, and um, they also need to be paid to produce, to look after their soil, because soil absorbs lots of carbon. There are lots, there, and we know exactly what needs to be done, Jamie. And the only problem is that the rich countries want to hang on to their riches and their power. They are selfish, self-serving, uh, and stupid, to be honest, because it's not in anybody's interest to do this. So we all need to be paying poorer countries to transition directly from fossil fuels to renewables. So the kind of the, because obviously we're in the closing moments of um, the podcast now, but I'd like to, my very final question that I will ask, and this is my question is, how much will that cost? You know, because obviously it's all going to come at a cost. I, you know, I completely understand that you said that it's going to be expensive, but how much will we have to pay as maybe a, a wealthy Western group two countries such as India and, uh, and other countries to, to switch to green technology? Uh, we'll have to pay a lot, okay? Um, but to, to solve the, the, the um, climate crisis, to put us back on course, is going to cost, you know, probably, I don't know, something like 10% of the world's GDP, right? This is going to be a really big problem. But the IMF, the um, International Monetary Fund, they, they have said that they, that, uh, that, that amount, the amount of money that we have to pay to rectify uh, climate crisis is, uh, goes up by about 0.6 of a trillion every year that we delay it. But in fact, it's not a linear thing. It just gets worse and worse. The longer you leave it, the, the, the bigger the, the, the cost. So it was estimated if we started tackling this problem 30 years ago, we all knew about it. The fossil fuel companies knew about it. Mrs. Thatcher gave speeches about it. If we did it then, it would have been about 3% of GDP. Um, it's now probably going to be, I don't know, 10, 12, 15% of GDP. But if we leave it, it's going to go up so much that we won't be able to afford it. This is the urgency of the thing. We have to tackle it now. And you guys need to come out on the street with us or with other people who are objecting we need to stand up to the government and say this is not good enough we the people need to to make our voices heard well thank you very much for joining me it's been a pleasure to have you hopefully we can do a part two of this interview if you are interested when i've got a little bit more time and we can we can get even a bit more information for people and kind of get people's reactions uh, from this podcast and get them sending a few more questions um, if you'd be interested in something similar like that in the future. So uh, that was okay. Dr. Bing Jones there, a spokesperson for Insulate Britain. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Jamie. Good luck. Thank you very much, everyone. That was episode 71 there.
Thank you very much. Goodbye. Did you enjoy that episode of the Batball Podcast? Well, if so, share, follow, like, do what you need to do. We would really, really appreciate it. Do tune in to the next episode. If you're listening on Thursday, the next episode's on Sunday. And if you're listening on Sunday, the next episode's on Thursday. But any day that you are listening, take a listen to all of our more than 50 episodes available and do share them and let us know what you think. Thank you for listening.